It's good to see you here this morning as we come to this time together in worship. Especially if you're visiting with us, we're delighted to have you here. Uh, you could have gone lots of places and you chose to be with us, so we're grateful for that and invite you to come back to worship with us again on many future occasions. A couple of uh, announcements. Um, the usual first Sunday visit to the library has been postponed because Beverly's out of town. So we'll do that. I believe it says next week that we will do that. So our children won't be going out for that this morning. Um, activities continue this afternoon fairly normally. There are children's activities, uh, as you see in the bulletin, the children's choirs and missions uh, class meetings this evening. Uh, our teenagers are headed after this service up to their annual hike, Labor Day Sunday hike up in the mountains and we uh, uh, wish them good happiness and the weather's going to be great for that today, isn't it? Wonderful time to go up toward the mountains. Uh, a lot of good stuff happening today as well. Uh, Toby Wright is 93 today. Toby's on the back row back there, I agree. <clears throat> told him at the first service that I hoped I looked as good as he does when I'm 61, which is like six months from now. <clears throat> so, how wonderful. Uh, let me bring you up to date on some of our illnesses and other things within the congregation. Merle State uh, is doing some better. Uh, he was not able to do well on the um, uh, dialysis program, dialysis machine. But his kidney, kidney decided that it would uh, go back to work. So he was doing much better and has been transferred now to the Piedmont Rehab Center, uh, doing well. Uh, Neil Weiss, um, part of our nine o'clock congregation, had very serious lengthy five-hour surgery at the Medical University of South Carolina on Wednesday. And at this point, they believe they were able to get uh, all the cancer and give him a very good uh, outlook for the future. We trust that is true, but he'll be down there another three or four days before they allow him to start eating again. He has now been seven days without food and they won't allow him to resume eating until about Wednesday or Thursday and then hopefully they'll be able to return home following this very serious surgery. Um, we had a couple of folks who have left us in recent weeks to join the church triumphant and we remember especially with with love Betty Sowell and um, Helen Flynn who both left us not uh, well Helen died this past week you may have seen that in the paper uh, very very uh, quick illness uh, final illness she came to us from the Appalach community a few years ago and that's Karen Paget's mother so um, Anyway, this is, I think, brings us up to date. Other announcements in your bulletin as you have an opportunity to, to uh, read that. Um, let us now begin our time together in worship.
As we remain standing, let's affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the good and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of the blessing. Amen. Be seated, please. This time, we'd like to invite the children to come forward to join Marnie Dumas for a few moments of sharing. Today, I was going to ask you a couple questions. What, when you go to the grocery store or when you buy like a new dress, what do you have to give for that? Yeah, some kind of money, right? You have to give them something. Or do you ever trade anything like with your friends? Do you ever trade anything? Some silly bands? And then what do you, you get silly bands in return for that? Yeah. So you trade things and you get something back. Right, but you have to give something first. Well, did you know that there was a cost for us to follow Jesus? Did you know that? There actually is. And but we get something back in return too, which is really cool. So Jesus tells us, and have you ever seen this where it's written in red in the Bible? That's the words that he's saying, right? Okay. So he tells us in John in, excuse me, in Luke fourteen, he tells us that in the same way any of you who does not give up everything he had cannot be my disciple. Do you know what a disciple is? What do you think that is? Yeah, one of his really good friends. And also we can be disciples too. It means we're fo we follow him, right? So we follow him. So he says, what did he tell us that we have to give up? What did he say? What's that word right there? Everything. What does that mean? All of our stuff, right? He, and he tells us actually in the first part of Luke, or well, earlier in that, in that, um, in 14, he tells us that we have to um, love him. We have to love Jesus actually more than we love our mom and dad, and more than we love our grandparents and our friends and our family. Can you believe that? So the cost of following him is that we have to love him what? More than anything, right? So that's the cost. But, you know, we said earlier, like when you trade your silly vans, what do you get back? Yeah, you get something in return. So what do you think if we give up, if we love him more than anything else, we love him more than our mom and our dad, more than our grandparents, more than our silly vans, what do you think that he gives us in return? His love, right? And we get to spend eternal life with him. What does eternal mean? Do you know? It's kind of a big word. What do you think? Eternal means forever, never, 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 ever, ever, ever. Okay? So that's what eternal means. So the cost for us to follow him is that we have to love him more than anything. But then what does he give us back? His love and we get to spend forever with him. Does that sound like a pretty good deal? Sounds kind of like a silly band deal, doesn't it? I like that one. All right, so, and it doesn't mean that we don't love our parents, right? It just means that we love him more. Okay, good. All right, will you pray with me real quick? Dear Lord, thank you so much for giving us the best gift possible, spending the rest of our eternal life with you, Lord, and for giving us all of your love. 
Lord, and the only thing we have to do in return is just love you the most out of anything in our lives. Lord God, thank you so much. Keep us safe this week and bring us back here next week. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson is Genesis 1, verses 26 through 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves along the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is from Psalm 8 on page 743 of your hymnal. I invite you to stand as you're able as we share this passage responsibly. <clears throat> o Lord, our Lord, <clears throat> your glory is chanted above the heavens by the mouth of babes and infants. When I look down at when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers. What are human beings that you are mindful of them? Yet you have made them little less than God. You have given them dominion over the works of your hands. All sheep and oxen. The birds of the air and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the seas. O Lord, our Lord. The epistle reading for the day is from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 through 9. What, after all, is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. 
So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. Here ends the lesson. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we are thankful for this holiday weekend established by our country to celebrate the gift of our labors, the the gift of using the talents that you have given us to work for a living. And we are thankful that we live in a free land where our work may be done as we choose to do it. We recognize, Lord, that these are difficult days all across our planet, and there are so many people looking for work here in our state and in our nation and in our world. And so we 
come first to give you thanks for our jobs, but to ask your help in providing tasks for our brothers and sisters to do that will fill their lives with meaning and will enable them to provide for their families. How wonderful it is, Lord, that you also call us to be participants with you in caring for the world and for our brothers and sisters, too. We are thankful for the love that you have for the world and for everyone here. And yet we are thankful that you invite us to participate with you as your partners in the caring for your world and for our brothers and sisters. And we pray, O oh Lord, that we would constantly be mindful of your attitude and your heart, your concern for all of nature and all of life as we would go about our lives in the world to take care of this earth and to take care of one another. We pray especially that you would help us as your partners about our task of telling the good news about Jesus. For truly, that has been entrusted into our hands, and your spirit goes before us to prepare the way. Help us as a church and as individuals to be mindful always that our main task is to live in such a way that is inviting for others to come and follow you with us. Help us, Lord, to be your disciples in this world. And we have heard challenging words today about the cost of discipleship, of loving you above all else, of being loyal to you more so than even family. And we find those words indeed challenging as well as uplifting. And we hear them, Lord, and we confess to you our shortcomings and our inadequacies. But we also say to you that as your disciples, we're willing to grow and learn. We're willing to give more of ourselves this day to more of you that you might lead us and use us as your servants. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Let us now continue our worship as we worship by giving.
Our gospel reading today is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, verses 25 through 44. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his mother, his father and mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost to see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able, with 10,000 men, to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able... He will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, any of you who does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Here ends the lesson. I believe it was our first Christmas with a child that I learned what have, have to be the most feared words in the English language. On Christmas Eve, about 11 o'clock, I read the words, some assembly required. A few years later, I learned some other very fearful words to read on Christmas Eve. 
batteries not included. Now, it's no fun to go out in the middle of the night on, uh, on Christmas Eve to try to find batteries. And then there's some other fearful words in our language. If you're buying a car, this is the price. Plus title, taxes, and dealer prep. Well, there's a couple of more thousand bucks added to the pile. And I guess there's some other fearful words that came my way as we had little children. Some words I grew to fear greatly. Daddy, can I help you? Now, most things that we need to do around the house can be done quicker, neater, and better if we just do it by ourselves. It was always a real sacrifice to allow little helpers to assist me. But I did allow them to help me for several reasons. One was, it was a wonderful opportunity to be with them doing something. And secondly, it was important that they learned cooperation and teamwork and learned how to do things as well. I'm sure one of the most awesome phrases ever uttered in heaven was the time when God said, I'm going to make some people and let them be my helpers. Let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. I'm sure there were some angels that passed out that day when they heard those words. Why would the God of heaven who made everything work to have us as his co-partners or co-laborers when he could do everything more effectively and efficiently and quickly all by himself? Well, it is because God loves us and he relishes the opportunities to be with us as his partners and because he wants to teach us to learn cooperation and how to do things. Because of his love for us and his desire to teach us, God preordained that his ministry among us would be as a partner. And we can become like our partner as we work with him. How exciting that is. I know that I am limited and that I need God's power in my life. But look at what God Almighty has done. He has limited himself in our world so that he's placed himself in a position now where he needs us to accomplish his work. Now isn't that an awesome thought? God so designed things to where he's turned some things over to us and he needs us now. And without us, to be his partners, his work cannot succeed. Immediately, God gave Adam and Eve a task, and without them, the world would not be looked after. But of course, without God there, the world wouldn't continue to exist in the first place. There's that wonderful story in the New Testament about the feeding of the 5,000, and we see how Jesus cooperated with human beings in the feeding of the 5,000. There wasn't enough food there for a family of four, and so they certainly needed God to accomplish the miracle. Christ the living word who uttered the world into existence also needed something, though. He needed a little bit of food or else he couldn't have divided it and fed the 5,000. We are partners. When I was in the Lutheran Seminary, one of my professors pointed out this cooperative fact of God needing partners, and he pointed out the fact that when Jesus decided to go into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, he even partnered with a donkey to carry him into Jerusalem. And then looking at my class of students, the professor said, well, I see that God still saddles donkeys when he needs something to ride today. We took that rather personally, but uh, it was true. All of life is a partnership with God. To be sure, God is our senior partner, but we are important as partners as well. Now, those of you that have gardens like Toby has, 
uh, this year, you understand this principle to be sure. A garden is a cooperative effort between God and us. You've all heard the story about the man whose neighbor one time said to him, that's a beautiful garden that you and God have together. The man replied, yes, but you should have seen this place when God had it all by himself. Well, then it didn't rain for about a month, and the man began to realize his dependence upon God. And as the man's garden began to wither, the neighbor said to him, Yes, and I now see what your garden looks like when you have it all by yourself. It's a cooperative venture. Without the forces of nature that God has created, a farmer could plant seed all day and nothing would ever happen. Without plowing and planting, though, the forces of nature couldn't bring about the harvest by itself either. Have you ever thought about your partnership with God and how this principle uh, applies to so many areas of life. For instance, most of us say that we want to grow spiritually, and God, our partner, wants us to grow spiritually. He's already provided several tools for that. For instance, the Bible has been given to us by God through God's people. God went to a great deal of trouble along with his biblical partners to provide a Bible for us to read and, and to guide us. But unless we open that Bible and study it, it's not capable of producing any growth within us. It just gathers dust on the shelf. Let's confess our biblical illiteracy. We know how to drive a car, we read encyclopedias, we use computers, but we don't even know which book of the Bible is in the Old Testament and which is in the New Testament. We're like that uneducated preacher I heard about who said that he loved the Bible all the way from generations to revolutions. Um, there is inspiration and poetry and history and action and adventure in the Bible. The precious words and deeds of the Lord Jesus are recorded there the Bible has changed the course of human history, and it can change the course of your personal history, but not if you don't open it up. God's part was to provide the food. Our part is to open the Bible and read it. Another cooperative means of growth for us is the church. Christ created and gave us the fellowship of our church. It is a place where many of us say that our lives have been shaped from our earliest memories on. Every time I hear a, a baby cry, I want to stop what I'm ever, whatever I'm doing, and sometimes I'm in the middle of a sermon, and I want to go to that child to try to give a little love and encouragement. Um, you see, I cried a lot in my church too. And the sad thing is, I remember it, so I was old enough not to cry, and I still did. I was a real challenge to my home church's nursery, but they kept working with me because they knew that's where I needed to be, and they knew that the church was the place where Christ promised to be with me, just as he would be with all who come together in his name. And so they continued helping me. It takes our cooperation. If our pew is empty, we aren't being shaped by the church. We aren't in Christ's body to experience his presence here with us. How often we have said that we would like our lives to be better, and then we don't come to the place where we could receive God's love and be made better. There's a story that's been going around uh, various places on the internet and other places about a preacher and a barber. And they were talking as the preacher's hair was being cut about all the trouble in the world. The barber confessed, I really find it hard to believe that there is a loving God when I look out at all the trouble in the world, especially how people mistreat one another. Right then, a young man with very long hair and, and stubby beard walked by the barber shop, and so the preacher said, 
You know, I find it hard to believe that you're a good barber when I see men like that walking through our town. The barber replied, hey, don't blame me for his looks. He won't come into my barber shop, and so I can't help him look any better. And the pastor replied, then don't blame God for all the mess this world is in. If people would come to God's house and learn God's ways, things would be better. Another source of strength for our lives and a power to change is prayer. God has tremendous power to come and enter into our problems and to work with us. And prayer is our way of making contact with the power. It's almost like plugging something into a wall socket. It is bringing God's power into our lives. God has so ordained it that his power works in cooperation with our prayers. And it takes our prayers often to unleash that power in our lives. Each time that we pray, something wonderful happens. Either the situation is changed or else we're changed and better able to handle the situation. When we pray, either the burden lifts or else I am better able to lift the burden. I recently read a story about a man who claimed to be an atheist and he decided that he would really rub it in to the town where he had moved and he built a brewery in the middle of town close to the churches of the downtown area. Two of the churches became very concerned about this. They must have been Methodist or Baptist to be concerned about that. Um, but anyway, they decided to hold a prayer meeting um, because of their concerns about this brewery. And during that Sunday night prayer meeting, a lightning storm came up. The brewery was hit by lightning and it burned to the ground. The next Sunday, the two preachers were so excited as they preached about the marvelous way God had answered their prayers. Meanwhile, the insurance company told the brewer that since the insurance uh, had a clause in it that said it would not cover losses due to acts of God, there would be no money coming to him. So the man decided to sue the two churches for damages, accusing them of conspiring with God to destroy his business. Of course, the churches hired lawyers and they denied any guilt in the process. When the judge received the case and heard the opening statements, he paused and said, this is truly a most interesting case. We have here an atheist plaintiff who blames God and prayer for the destruction of his business, and we have two churches who deny the power of prayer having anything to do with it. Well, to be sure, God's power remains locked up away from us until prayer is the key that unlocks it here on earth. We also say that we want to see people come to know Christ, that we want to see the gospel spread and to see our church grow. Again, this is a cooperative venture with God. God has already provided redemption through Jesus' death. It is finished, Jesus said. That meant his work was finished, not ours. That meant that our work had begun. The Holy Spirit goes before us to prepare the hearts of people, but Christ has put in our hands the responsibility of telling the good news. <coughs> if we don't spread the good news, it does not get spread. There's a wonderful story that shows this cooperation in the book of Acts. Cornelius, the Gentile, was praying. He wanted to learn more about God, and an angel appeared to him. An angel appeared to him, didn't tell him anything about God, just told him to go get this human named Simon Peter. And Simon would tell him something about God. It was a wonderful thing that it was a human that was given the responsibility to lead another human being to Christ. We don't have to stand on street corners or become obnoxious in our efforts to win people for Christ. We just need to pray that God would grant us opportunities to be with people in ways that offer us opportunities to be inviting, 
of these people to come to church or to talk with us about concerns they might have. And when it comes to church growth, I'm grateful that Memorial Church is growing, but it could grow faster if everyone would just keep their eyes open in the neighborhoods around your house for a new family that moves in, or perhaps if you notice someone who's not going anywhere to church and you just invite them to come. A year or so ago, we noticed a for sale sign down by our parsonage. And so I watched every day to see what would happen. And soon a sold sign came on the sign. And so, oh, any day now, you know, a, a moving van is coming. And sure enough, Penny called me one morning and said, the moving van just went down the street and the family's moving in right now. And I said, great, I'll go by this afternoon. Would you believe that when I went by there, there were four ladies from two different Baptist churches who each had brought cake and cookies with them, and there I was, had only my good looks that I'd brought. Would you like to make a guess now as to which church that family attends? It's down that way. Our church will grow if every one of us makes it our job to reach out to newcomers and the unchurched. God is bringing families into our communities every day. It's our job to make them feel welcome in Greer and at Memorial. Partnership with God, an awesome thought, and one appropriate for this Labor Day. God is our faithful senior partner and CEO. May we be found to be faithful as his junior partners. Amen. Thank you.